You are listening to messages from Victory Outreach in the city of Whittier. We pray that you are inspired, challenged, and provoked to become all that God has called you to be. For daily insight, please log into victoryoutreachwhittier.org. John chapter 9, very familiar passage of scripture, John chapter 9, and we're going to begin reading from verse 1. Jeannie and I have really been blessed being here with you, all of you, this, uh, this weekend. Yesterday was tremendous. I'm looking forward to tonight. And uh, it's good to see Mando, Mando Gonzalez, amen, Ron and Arlene, yes, trailblazers, amen. It's good to see him here and now. And uh, what, what all you that want to be evangelists and want to learn how to win souls, make sure you get connected, amen. Go with them out there to those streets. Are you ready? John chapter 9, verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man was, which was born blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. He said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, for night cometh when no man can work. Then Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he, he, he spat on the ground, or spit on the ground, and made clay and spit with the spittle, and anointed the man's eyes, the blind man, with, he anointed his eyes with clay. And then he said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is interpretation sent. And he went his way, therefore, and washed and came back seen. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that was blind, said, is not this he who sat and begged? And some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, how have your eyes been opened? And he answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And I washed and I went and washed and I received my sight. Then they said unto him, where is he? He says, I do not know. Then they brought him to the Pharisees, and after they brought him to the Pharisees, it was blind, and it was a Sabbath day that Jesus had made this clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees asked him how he had received his sight, and he said unto them, he put clay in my eyes, and I washed, and now I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not of God, speaking of Jesus, because he keeps not the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such a miracle? And there was a division among them. Then they said unto the blind man again, what saith you of him that opened your eyes? He's, he said, I, I think he's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received sight. So they called his parents and asked them, how did he receive his sight? Is this your son? And he said, yes, this is our son. And he was born blind, but how he sees now, we do not know. Then his parents answered and said to them, we know that this is our son and he was born blind. But by what means he sees, we do not know. And who opened his eyes, we do not know. 
Ask him, he's of age, and he shall speak for himself. These words spoke his parents because they were afraid of the Jews, because the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that Jesus was the Christ, that they would be put out of the synagogue, kicked out of the synagogue. Therefore, said his parents, he's of age, ask him. So they asked him again, the man that was blind, give God the praise. We don't know this man. This man's a sinner. And he answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you once again for the precious anointing and the precious ministry of your Holy Spirit to have the freedom and the liberty to work in me and work in all of us here today to move our hearts and open our eyes, O oh God, and challenge our hearts to want to do your will and serve your purpose while it is day. Lord, while we have opportunity, God, let us put our hands to the plow and do what you have called us to do and see this vision come to pass for your honor and your glory. And everyone said together, amen. amen. I want to talk to you this morning on being a, a mission-driven church. Amen. Mission-driven church, because that's what this church is. This, this church is a vision-driven, mission-driven church. It's very evident by all of the announcements and all of the different activities and all the different uh, the events and, and programs that you see taking place, that everybody is involved in ministry. You see a life-giving church. How many can say amen? amen. But it's important it's also to remember that there are still so many others that we need you to get involved. We need you to be, get a part of this movement, to get captured by this heavenly vision, because we can't do it by ourselves. Amen? And one of the things that, that is important to understand what kind of ministry you're a part of, what kind of church you've come to be a part of, if you're new, if you're visiting, or you're watching by, by telecast or uh, by YouTube, or however, listen, it's important to understand that what Victory Outreach and who Victory Outreach is, amen? And we've heard our pastor, our founder, Pastor Sonny, mention this many times before, that when you look at our ministry, it's important that you understand what we're not, Amen? We are not what you call a seeker-friendly driven ministry. Okay? We're not interested so much just in a, having a big crowd of people coming and there's no commitment to want to do God's will and serve his purpose in our generation of reaching a hurting world. So we're not a vision-driven ministry, nor are we a traditional driven ministry. Are we driven by tradition? Amen? Or are we a type of ministry that is driven by personality? Amen. I'm sure that when Pastor Joe is gone, amen, the church stays the same. Amen. The same people keep showing up. They keep doing the same thing, right? When you look at our conferences, we don't have a lot of speakers that come from all over the world. We'll have them every now and then, but we don't need them, right? And still, we have record-breaking crowds attend our world conferences, our conventions. Why? Because we're not a personality-driven ministry. But Victory Outreach International, Victory Outreach Whittier, Victory Outreach San Bernardino, and Victory Outreach Chicago, amen. We are a mission-driven, vision-driven ministry. We are committed to the vision that God has given to us to reach the inner cities of the world and impact the nations of the world. Because when you look at the calling that God has placed upon our life, listen, the nature of our call demands this type of commitment. 
demands this type of passion, this type of focus, amen? Because without that, we're not going to do what God called us to. We're not going to be able to be obedient to the heavenly vision that God has given to us, amen? And when you look at this passage of Scripture, one of the things that I see, I see God on a mission. God on a mission through Jesus Christ, amen? Through Jesus Christ, who represents the church, right? We are the body of Christ, He's the head of the church, but we are the body of Christ. We are his physical body here on earth. Can you say amen? And so we see God, amen, when you look at the Bible, when you read the Bible, God has always been on a mission from the very beginning of time until even today and tomorrow. He's a missional God. Can you say amen? And right here in the scripture, we see him on a mission through Jesus Christ who represents the church, right? So the question is, how can you and I here today be a mission-driven people or a vision-driven church? Just by looking at this passage, we're, we're able to draw certain points out that can help us to keep us on the cutting edge. How many want to stay on the cutting edge? Keep us on the cutting edge, a relevant, cutting edge, thriving, dynamic, city-taking, nation-impacting ministry for the honor and glory of God. Well, first of all, the, what I see is this, that there has to be an urgency. What I see is that there's an urgency, a mission-driven church or mission-driven ministry senses the urgency, amen, of the work, of the ministry, amen? You see here Jesus saying these words in verse, verse 4. He says, I must work the works of God who sent me while it is day. For night comes when no man can work. What is he talking about? It's speaking of an urgency. As Jesus was moving, amen, he's saying, look, amen, after I asked this question, he goes, I got to do what I got to do. I got to do what God sent me to do. My father sent me to. I must work the works of God while it is day because night comes when no man can work. In other words, he, the day, when you talk about day, it speaks of opportunity. Night speaks of loss of opportunity. So Jesus understood that his time was limited here on earth. He only had a, a certain amount of time to do his father's business. Therefore, he said, I must work the works of God while it is day. Because night comes when they're going to come and they're going to take me. And then I'm going to have to give the ultimate sacrifice and die on that cross, shed my blood for the sins of the world, and then it's over. Now I got my new ministry. Right? So we know the history through the Bible. So in other words, what it's saying to us we have to learn how to sense the urgency of the time. Listen, a lot of us, we ain't got that much time left. In fact, in the green one, we're talking about age. I don't know how we got into that. Amen. But one of the things that we get to realize, man, listen, we're not getting any younger. Right? Some of you aren't getting any younger. Amen? I mean, time is going by. Amen? I mean, as time goes by, man, we're, some of us, we're running out of time. We're running out of hair. We're running out of eyesight. We're running... But thank God for the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So the point is this. We must seize the moment. We must take advantage of the time that we have now, that we have breath, we have strength. Amen. That we still have breath on this life and do the works of God that God the Father sent victory outreach to do while it is daytime. And let's not waste any more time, amen? Let's not get caught up in a lot of these things of the world, man, but let's just stay focused on the mission that God has given to us, amen? So it speaks of an urgency. It speaks of an urgency. 
There are many times that he mentioned, he goes, look, I didn't come to be served. I come to be a servant and give my life a ransom for all. Jesus said many times, I come to seek and save the lost. Right? It speaks of the urgency of the mission. And so the, you may ask the question, well, why is there such an urgency in the world today? I'll tell you why. Because of the condition that the world is in today. When you look out into the world and you see the need that is all over the world, Pastor Joel, and they just came from, every time I go to Europe, I feel like I'm standing at the doorstep of the rest of the world. The nations of the world that we still need to go and plant the Victory Outreach flag, right? And, and those nations are crying out, man. Those nations are waiting for Victory Outreach. Those nations have been overwhelmed by darkness. They're crying out, man. The conflict, the wars, the rumors of wars, uh, amen, all the different things that are taking place, the drugs, the violence, the corruption, right, the underworld, all those different, the sex trades, uh, the sec, uh, sex trafficking, all these different things that are taking place, taking little girls and little kids and all these different things. Let me tell you something. There's a need in the world. And not just in Europe, but all over Latin America, even here in the United States, right? The opium, you know, epidemic that's taking place. Listen, it's always been an epidemic. It's just starting to hit certain other classes of people now that is waking them up that say, hey, we have a problem. We've always had a problem. There's always been this need, and this is the reason why God raised us. This is the reason why we exist. This is the reason why some of us aren't in prison right now. We're not dead right now, but God rescued us and saved us for such a time as this. Amen. And there's a need in the world. And we have to see that need and not become so familiar to it. Amen. That we're just conditioned to just function. No, my friend, there's a need. See, when you look at Jesus, he represents a church. The blind man represents the condition of the world. First of all, he's blind. He was born blind. How many know the scripture tells in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, that the world is spiritually blind? The Bible says a God of this world has blinded their eyes from the truth. Therefore, they go on living day by day, month after month, week after week, believing the lie. Believing the lie that there is no hope for them. Believing the lie that there is no way out. Believing the lie that there is no answer for their drug addiction or their gang affiliation. They continue to believe the lie, amen, that there is no way out of poverty and pain and misery. See, the, the blind, their blindness, they're blind to the fact that Jesus Christ is the answer and that Jesus Christ can set them free and that Jesus Christ is their hope and that Jesus Christ can, can make a difference in their life. And therefore, they re, they're, they're blind and they keep remaining blind if somebody don't take them the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. But you got to feel the urgency. People are dying. Souls are dying every day. Can you say amen? amen? They're blind. The world is blind. This is why Jesus has commissioned us, the church, to go into all the world and preach this gospel. Go and make disciples of every ethnic group of people there is in this world. The time is now, Victory Outreach. Jesus said, I must work the works of God now. Ecclesiastics 9.10 says, whatever you find your hand to do, do it with all your might, for there is no work in the grave. Once you're dead, it's done. It's over. Who's going to reach your loved ones now? Who's going to reach your homeboys now? 
Who's going to reach your friends now? Who's going to reach your city now? Amen? There's an urgency. I like the way Moses said it in Psalms 90, verse 12. Oh, he's up there in age already. What did he say? He says, look, Lord, teach me to number my days. Teach me to number my days, Lord. In other words, as, as long as I have breath now, help me seize the moment. Take advantage of the time that I have now. Let me go out blazing, Lord. There's an urgency. Number two, when you look at this man, not only is, does he represent the world, the blindness of the world, but also he, re he represents the lostness uh, and, and the loss of hope and dignity of many people out in the world. This man found himself begging. Why? Because he was blind. Because of his condition, he was there out there in the streets begging for bread with shame. Amen? And, and it reminds me, when I think of that, it reminds me of, of Luke chapter 6, verse 6, where it talks about the man with a withered hand. Remember that story? The man that with the withered hand that came to Jesus, came to church that day when Jesus was preaching. The, man, the Bible says that his hand was withered. It was wasting away. That at one time was so full of life, so promising, so productive. For whatever reasons in life, it started to wither away. But that man, amen, was sick and tired of being sick and tired of going around in life begging for bread with shame. See, what's interesting about that story is that this man wasn't born that way. Did you know that? He wasn't born that way because when Jesus did the miracle, the Bible says his hand was restored as the other. The word restored means to bring back to its original state and condition and purpose. So he wasn't born this way. How many know we weren't born to be drug addicts? We weren't born to be criminals. We weren't born to be corrupt. Amen. Nobody in this place ever dreamed or, uh, that they would become what we became. But it happened. Amen. But the fact is, it doesn't have to be that way. And it doesn't have to stay that way. And that's the way this man felt. He says, wait a minute. I'm, I don't know what happened. I don't know what took place. But I wasn't born this way. I know I was born for something bigger, something better. I know I was born for productivity in life. And therefore, he went to Jesus that day. He went to church that day. And that man got his miracle. When he went to church that day, let me tell you something. He went with a passion, with a burden in his heart. Sick and tired of being sick and tired in this condition. I'm tired of, of living like this, going through this, begging for bread with shame, never excelling, never growing, never moving forward, never advancing in life. Amen. And therefore, he went to church to that day to go to Jesus because Jesus was there to ask Christ to give him back his dignity. What dignity is there in begging for bread for shame? And he represents, like a blind man, the condition of the world. How many more people out there begging for bread with shame? They're tired. They're hurting. They want to change. They're looking for answers. But somehow, the blindness, somehow the enemy has caused them to form a stronghold in their mind, thinking that there is no hope, there's no way out. I guess this is the way I am. I guess this is the way I'll always be. I guess this is the lot that has been cast for my life. That's good for you, but I don't think it could ever happen to me. How many know the devil's a liar? 
I said the devil's a liar. Somehow, you know, the strongholds of the, of the enemy have formed that stronghold in the mind. The opinions, the arguments of, of the world, of society has put them in a box saying because of who you are and where you've been and what you've done, this is as far as you'll ever go in life in this little box. You'll never get out of that box. You'll never advance. You'll never success. See, success, you'll never move forward. And how many know the devil's a liar? Because look at us. One time we were in that box. One time society labeled us. They put a stigma, a jacket. This is who you are. This is who you'll always be. You'll never amount to nothing. You'll never do anything for in life. But how many know when day we stepped out of that box because Jesus called us. Jesus said, come, get out of there. Get out of that boat. And we stepped out. And today we're here changed by the power of God with dignity, self-respect, with a purpose and a reason to live. Hallelujah. No child ever born in this world would ever expect that their life would turn out a certain way. Neither this blind man. He was born blind. And there are many in the world today that are born blind spiritually and have lost all hope and dignity. That's why there's an urgency. That's why there's an urgency. Number three, many are in the world have found themselves limited, limited in what they can do for themselves and others. That's what that's that's how this man found himself because of his condition. Limited. Limitations were put on him. That box. He was put in a box. Is as far as you'll ever go. Is as far you as far as you'll ever advance in life. Is as far as you ever go in ministry. But the devil's a liar, man. But there's many people, and probably many sitting in the church today. Amen? That this is as far as you've gone because you've allowed somehow the limitations of your mind to hold you back. There's many that have found themselves in that condition, limited in what they can do for themselves, limited in what they can do for others because of their condition. Never growing, never moving forward, never excelling, never able to accomplish the things that others have been able to accomplish. They have found themselves in a desperate situation. The world has found themselves in a desperate situation. But I got good news for you here today. The good news is this, that desperation is like a magnet for the glory of God. Amen. See, because of this man's condition, the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? Who sinned, this man or his parents? Because how many know many people... That have found themselves in this condition will always get a jacket put on them. Right? They always put a, somebody will always have their opinion, an argument of why they are, why we are the way we are. I mean, there's a lot of opinions. People always have their own opinion, arguments of why. We're in this condition. People always label you and stereotype people. Always try and put us in a box, those limitations. And how many know that if you hear it often enough, pretty soon you start to believe it. You start to believe the lie. And our own mind starts to deceive you. And that's when we begin to say, you know what, I guess this is the way I am. I guess this is the way it always be for me. 
But I'm here to tell you again, the devil is a liar. When you were in that condition, I want you to know this man was in that condition, blind, desperate, loss of dignity, hope, desperate. But it was that condition that became a magnet for the glory of God. He was just walking by when the disciples said, hey, wait a minute, who sinned? They tried to put a label on and Jesus said, neither him nor his parent, but his condition was for my glory. His condition was to reveal and manifest my glory in this man's life so that the world can see my power, my love, and my compassion that I have for human beings, for humanity, and therefore I'm here to let you know every drug infested city, every gang infested city, every individual that has found himself caught in the web of drug addiction and gang violence and feeling all hope is gone I want you to know they are simply perfect candidates for the glory and the power of God to be manifest in their life that's how we victory always have to see the urgency see as God sees feel what he feels Number two, that's the urgency of the mission, the purpose of the mission. The purpose of the mission is for the glory of God so that God's glory will be revealed. This church is a picture of God's glory. Victory Outreach Churches is what, what society couldn't do, what prisons couldn't do, what gang programs, drug programs, NA, a, a couldn't do what our own parents couldn't do what mayors have not been able to do what governors have not been able to do what presidents kings and queens have not been able to do prime ministers I'm telling you God has been able to do it the power of God was manifest through victory outreach and began to spread all over the world for his honor and his glory and the the amazing thing is he didn't choose us because we're anybody special. He didn't choose us because we were anybody noble. He didn't. In fact, he chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. It's for the glory of God. It's not for our glory. It's not so that we can just be well known. It's for his glory. His glory. All through the Bible, in the Old Testament, God would manifest his glory, Right? To his people, to show him who he was, to reveal his power, his authority, who he was. I am the great, I am the almighty, to manifest his attributes, divine attributes and divine character to his people. And here we find in the New Testament him doing the same through Jesus Christ, who represents the church today. We are here in every community, every neighborhood, every inner city to reveal the glory of God, to manifest his glory to a hurting and desperate world. Amen? There are many people in the world today, cities, neighborhoods that have found themselves in this very same condition. So the purpose of the mission is for the glory of God. People would be saved. God's kingdom be established all over the world. Number three, the uniqueness of the vision. Or the mission. The uniqueness. The uniqueness. The Bible says that after he told them these words that I, I must work the works while it's day and when night comes, no man can work. And as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Then, then he looked at the man. He got the man 
and brought in. The Bible says he spit on the ground, made mud. So come here. Boom, put it in his eyeballs. Spit in his eyeballs. Now think about that. That's pretty strange, don't you think? I don't think that anybody ever seen a Pharisee do that or a scribe. I don't think John the Baptist ever did that. But here comes Jesus. Come here. Pam. Right in your eyeball. I wonder if there's been any old evangelists or preachers ever got somebody to spit in their eyes. I don't know. Could be. I don't know. But that's pretty strange, right? Kind of unique, don't you think? I don't think we've ever seen anybody else do something like that. Because God's mission can be very unique at times. You have to remember. That's what people don't understand sometimes about Victory Outreach. Amen. We're not your typical, ordinary, traditional, denominational church. Right? And so people come and, and some of the things that we do, the dramas we put in with shotguns and, and we're blasting people and blood is flying all over the place. Right? I mean, the, the, the homes, who can explain the home? I, I, I tried to stop trying to figure that out a long time ago. Amen. But the glory of God is there. God does what no man can do, what society cannot do, right? Very unique. Very different, right? But that's the uniqueness of the vision. That's the uniqueness of the mission. Amen. When you look at the Bible, it's the very same way. Look at Elijah. Elijah going and telling a poor widow woman, a man that's ready to make some, uh, what little, little bit that she has, and eat and die, her and her son. But telling him, no, no, give me the cake first. That's, to me, that wasn't strange. That was cold. <laughs> or uh, Moses going around striking rocks so water could come out. What about Joshua marching around a fortified city to take the city and then marching around that city seven times believing that those walls, that's how those walls are going to come down. Pretty strange, right? We read these stories, pretty unique. Jesus' methods, like here, spitting in somebody's eyeballs. Or telling Peter to step out of a boat in the midst of a raging storm. Doesn't make sense. Or how about feeding 5,000 people with just five barley loaves of bread and two small fish? And later on, the disciples, you read in the book of Acts, Paul and Silas breaking out of prison just with a song. I bet you some homeboys wish they could do that, huh? <laughs> and then how about Paul being, you know, after doing miracles, amen, being stoned, getting stoned, not stoned out of his mind, just stoned, literally, literally stoned, dragged out of the city and left for dead. But then all of a sudden, this man gets up, wipes the dirt, the blood, amen, and then goes right back into that city. Who does that? All through the Bible, you find these unique prophets, preachers, situations. But what about today? What about victory outreach? Victory outreach is not strange, my friend. It's unique. 
It's a unique ministry that started back in 1967, reaching hardcore drug addicts and then gang members and convicts and prostitutes. And not only that, that's not the, the strange thing about it. Not only were they getting saved, but they were getting called by God, separated for the ministry. And today they're preachers, pastors, missionaries uh, that are being sent out all over the world to God be the glory. We're not strange. We're unique. Number four, the power of God. The power of God's mission. The power of God's mission. The power of God's mission always requires faith. That's why you, Pastor, you know, that video sticks out to all of us. Faith, faith, faith. Because that's what we were founded on. A ministry was built that was unheard of back in that day. It took faith to start this ministry. It took faith for us to be here today. Amen. If it wasn't for that faith, we wouldn't be here today. So many of us would be dead, literally. In prison, literally. Right? But God, because of faith, built a movement, family, international family, ministry for people like you and I. So that we can have the privilege and the opportunity to do something for God. And really make a difference and, do, and offer our contribution to the kingdom. Right? So the power of the mission always requires faith. So after Jesus spit in his eyes, or put mud in his eyes, told this man, now go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. The man took off walking. Went to go wash. The Bible says he went, washed, came back. His eyes were open, came back seen. Now how many know that that took faith? Because as you read the passage, right, when they came to him, when he came back seeing many of the people, the neighbors that were there, looked at him and said, and they saw the man. And he said, is not this the same man that was blind that would sit here begging? Some said, I think it's him. It looks like him. He said, no, it's me. It's me. How do you see now? I don't know. This man, Jesus, this guy called Jesus just came and spit in my eyes and then told me to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And I went and washed and my eyes were open and now I come back seeing. <laughs> then they brought him to the religious folks. The Pharisees. Look, this man, he was born blind. Now he sees. Wait a minute. This can't happen. This has never happened before. Who opened your eyes? I don't know. This man came. Told him the same story. He says, that's not a man of God. Who, who, who does this on the Sabbath? Religious. Remember that, that scene with the withered man? When he stopped preaching, he told everybody, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or not? To save a life or not? Remember that? See, because he did that because of the religious folks. And so here they are again complaining. Well, he's not of God. He did this on the Sabbath. Who cares? The man's got his dignity back. Got his eyesight back. And so they kept on pressing him, pressing him. So they said, well, you know, we don't believe he was born blind. We'll call the parents. We call the parents. The parents come. And they asked him. The religion asked the parents. Okay, was this man born blind? And is this your son? And the parents, again, responding with fear. Listen, this is our son, and we know that he was born blind. 
But how he sees, we do not know. They didn't want to say anything. Because they were afraid, because at that time, anybody that confessed that Jesus was the Christ would be kicked out of the synagogue, kicked out of church. So they didn't want to say anything. So then they said, they said, look, they asked him again, and they said, look, there he is, he's of age, ask him. So they go to the man again, second time. What happened? Rehearsed the whole thing. He said, he got tired of, look, I already told you what happened. I don't know who he is. I don't know where he came from. I don't know what. All I know is once I was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. And because of that, they kicked him out of the synagogue. Right? Now, here's the point. The point is this. The power it takes faith. This man had to believe the word of a perfect stranger. Because what I just shared with you, he didn't know who Jesus was. He could have, he could have said, oh, that's the man that opened the blind man's eyes and, and made the a cleanse of letter. He didn't, he just said, I don't know who he is. This man, Jesus. He didn't know who Jesus was. But yet, he had an encounter with deity. He had an encounter with the Son of God, and he didn't even know it. And so, so here's, the, here's the word of a perfect stranger time. Look. Now go wash. The man just believed the word of a perfect. How many of that takes faith? He wasn't healed like other blind men. He wasn't healed like others. Immediately, they would open their eyes. Immediately, they stood up and they began to walk. Not him. Because how many know every situation is different? Not him. He had to go and walk by faith. He had to believe the perfect word of a stranger. And go and do what he said. In other words, he had to go through his own process in order to receive his miracle. And here's the problem. The reason why some are not getting their breakthrough and getting their miracle is because they're not willing to go through their process. Everybody's different. The reason why some are not getting their breakthrough or getting their miracle is because you're not willing to go to the process. How many men have we said, just go to the home? Home, what's the home? Just go, I guarantee, man, you'll never be the same. Some just dared to believe the perfect word of a stranger and went, and the rest is history. Right? Others just said, you know what, I ain't going to go to no home. What home? I don't need the home. I got to go to work, man. I got to go this, this. I got to go rip and run and do what I got to do to survive. They're not willing to go through the process. Some of us are not getting that miracle that we're praying for. That breakthrough. We're never going to be able to come and stand here and testify about that miracle we've been praying for. That, that miracle, that, we, that breakthrough that we've been desiring a lot because we're not willing to go through the process. It takes faith to go through the process. He didn't get healed instantly like others. Rather, he simply had to believe and obey what Jesus told him and go through his process. Now, how many know that takes faith? It takes faith. Faith is what sets in motion the miraculous power of God. Romans 1.16 says this. Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for what? 
It is the power of God unto those that what? Believe. Faith. So by faith, he took off walking. By faith, he went and washed in the pool of Siloam. By faith, he, he went and he kept on keeping on. Sometimes by faith, you got to just keep on serving. By faith, you just got to keep on sowing up. By faith, you got to keep on attending. By faith, you got to keep on giving. By faith, by faith, you got to keep on because some of us just have to go through that process. And if you go through the process and you dare to believe God and be obedient, you will see the miracle wonder of God, the breakthrough that you've been waiting for, the dignity and self-respect that you've been hoping. Because most of the time it's a process. A process. See, don't try and go around the process. Don't try and avoid the process. Don't try and bypass the process. Don't try and ignore the process. Oh, what the power of faith is able to do when one responds to the word of God. Number five, the critics and the unbelievers of the mission. How many know that there will always be critics, doubters, and haters of your call, of the mission? Those Pharisees, that, those religious folks, they had a hard time accepting that, right? Just like when they look, they don't understand. They can't comprehend. They, they can't accept they, or they don't agree with some of the methods or ways or techniques that, that maybe perhaps we use for the glory of God. But the problem is there'll always be haters and doubters. Just like here, man came back. What was the first thing? The neighbors, they looked at it and said, wait a minute. Isn't this the same guy that was begging? I think it's him. It looks like him. It's me. It's me. What happened to you? I don't know. All I know is once I was blind, but now I can see. The results will always speak for themselves. Amen? The fruit of your labor, the fruit of discipleship, right? The fruits will always speak for itself. But let me tell you something. You cannot allow or you cannot let the doubters, the haters, amen, amen, and those that, uh, the critics, stop you from moving towards your calling, your mission in life. you got to just keep on going. When they ask the question, you don't have the answers. You just tell them, look, once I was blind, but now I see. And you keep on going. All I know is Jesus touched my life, and here it is. I'm a test testimony of the changing power of Jesus Christ. What doctors couldn't do and psychiatrists in prison jails, look what the Lord has done and I ain't going to stop doing what God called me to do. And lastly, the promise. The promise of the mission. Jesus, when he heard he, this man was kicked out of church. Imagine that. Excommunicated. Because of this miracle, because of this good thing that happened to him. When Jesus heard that he was cast out, excommunicated from the church, Jesus came back. If you really finish reading the rest of the story, they kicked this man out. He did get a little sarcastic. 
Remember he told him, what, why are you asking me again? You, you want to be one of his disciples? <laughs> that was a little part of the victory hours came out of him. <laughs> and they kicked him out. Excommunicated him from the church and fellowship. And when Jesus heard that, Jesus came back and went looking for him. He went after him. And when he found him, he didn't leave him alone, but rather went to encourage him and secure his place in the kingdom of God. Wherefore, Jesus asked him this question, do you believe in the son of God? And the Bible says, he said, I believe and he worshiped him. Now, here's the promise. When Jesus heals you, when Jesus saves you, he will never leave you. Did you hear that? When Jesus saves you, when Jesus heals you, amen, he will never leave you. The Bible says he'll stick closer than a brother, amen. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He promises in Matthew chapter 28, 20, I will be with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. No matter where you go, where you go, wherever God sends you, listen, you don't go alone. God goes with you. To God be the glory. Listen, we all have a place in the kingdom. Doesn't matter who you are or where you've been. God doesn't want, listen, to accomplish his purpose or his mission by himself. This is the point. God is a missional God. We see him moving on a mission through Jesus Christ who represents the church, the blind man representing the world. And he's going to continue to be on the mission until Jesus Christ comes back for his church. But this is the challenge here today. The point is this. God doesn't want to do this by himself. God is not looking to try and accomplish his purpose here on earth by himself. God wants to involve us. He wants to include us. He is inviting us to join him in accomplishing this mission. So in conclusion, as the worship team begins to come, if we're going to be faithful, faithful to our service to God and the kingdom, then you and I must continue to feel the urgency that is out there in the world and get out of our comfort zone. We must begin to see the way God sees. that this world, our communities, our young people are in a desperate situation. And if we're going to do anything for God, the time is now. We must do it now. And always remember, it doesn't matter what people think, what people say about you, because you're committed to God, you love God with all your heart, you're sold out to him. It doesn't matter what people say or what they think, the critics, the haters, the doubters. Listen, don't let any opposition or persecution stop you from doing what God has called you to do. Work the work of God while it is day, while you have opportunity. God will always give you this promise. I will be with you. I will be with you. You'll never, ever have to be alone ever again in the face of this earth. He says, I'll stick closer than a brother. That used to really, man, I, I, I used to love that. Because, you know, there's times you used to feel. You could be in the midst of a crowd and just feel like you're, you're just an invisible man, Right? And I, man, when I used to hear that, he'll stick, man, I used to, oh, man. 
You mean I can walk the neighborhood now and I'm not alone? He'll be a homeboy in your neighborhood, doctor in your sick room, lawyer in your courtroom. Wherever you are, wherever he, you're never alone anymore. He'll always, always be there. That's the promise. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. That's the challenge here today. This church is a missional church. I mean, it's, it's on a mission. There may be some here that's, that we haven't joined that mission yet. We got stuck. We got stuck in our comfort zone. Man, we got stuck in the boat. Just watching things happen instead of being a part of making things happen for God. Somehow we've allowed situations, circumstances to neutralize us. To get us to a place where we're just cruising through. We're not as in fire anymore. We're not as committed. We're not as dedicated. Somehow we've we just settled. Maybe even like the man with the withered hand. One time you're so full of life, so full of promise, the call, the mission, and something happened. Maybe something happened in church or something happened in another church or something happened in life or family or ministry and it's paralyzed you. But don't let that thing put you in a box. You were created for something bigger, something better. Listen, Victory Hours, you're eagles. We are eagles. Society might look at us like something totally different, but man, I'm telling you, God looks at us like eagles. What does that mean? That means we were born to soar. We were born to fly. I don't think we got any chickens in here, do we? Huh? We got any chickens in the house? No, we ain't no chicken. We ain't stuck in some chicken coop, right? Just walking around, you know, that chicken walk. Stuck in a coop. Just looking at eagles fly. Can I close with a story? I'm going to close it. This reminds me of a story right now. I don't know if we got time, but, you know. We got time, Joe? <laughs> He's tired. He wants to eat. I got to eat. <laughs> We always got to feed Joe, right? <laughs> Joe's been such a great host, man. He says, you do whatever you want to do. I'm going to... Because this is, I think, is important. Because there's some here that you might think somehow there's been a stronghold for your mind. You're stuck in a coop, chicken coop. And you were never created to be that way. Like that man with a withered hand, he knew. It's like I sense, and I read it, I, I, I trip out, man. I say, you know, he had to sense that, man, you know what? I was not, I wasn't born like this. I wasn't born like this. You know, the, one of the apocryphal letters about, say about this, that man, that he was a stonemason by trade. A stonemason. What does that mean? That means that his livelihood was, was made by his hands. That's how he earned his living. And so that's why when I say when he went to Jesus that day, he went with a cry in his heart. I'm sick and tired, man, of being in this condition, begging for bread with shame. So he went to Christ. He went to Christ to ask God, give me back my dignity. I want to work for a living. I want to do what I was born to do. That was the cry of his heart. God gave him the cry of his heart. He refused to be stuck in a coop, a chicken coop, because he was no chicken. That man was an eagle. There might be a lot of chickens in the world, but we, none of us here, 
or a chicken or eagles. Remember that. You're an eagle. Eagles were born to soar. Right? Go back to the story. There was this eagle, baby eagle. You might have heard it, but he was, you know, he hatched and he was a baby eagle. And, you know, eagles live in high places, right? They live in high places. And way up in the crevice of the mountain, what happened, you know, he got too close to the, to the edge and he fell out. And he happened to fall right into a chicken coop. And so guess what? The chickens ended up raising that eagle, that baby eagle. So as that baby eagle began to grow up, in his mind, he thought he was a chicken. So here's this little eagle walking around like a chicken, talking like a chicken, acting like a chicken, doing everything that all the other chickens were doing. And a lot of the other chickens would always laugh at him, make fun of him, because, you know, he, was, he really wasn't a chicken. He was an eagle. And so one day they were out in the chicken coop playing and, you know, doing what they do, whatever chickens do. And all of a sudden, what caught their eyes, they seen this from, the, from their, their side of their eye. They seen the eagle jump off of, the, off of his nest. And, you know, those, those wings of those eagles, man, it's a phenomenal thing to see, right? When they begin to fly, it caught their eye. And that eagle began to fly, flap, flap his wings, soar, and kept going higher and higher. And that, that little baby eagle that thought it was a chicken, when he looked up and he seen that eagle fly, something moved him inside. And he's looking at it and something was stirring inside of him. That's what began to give him that little speck or ounce of hope. Wait a minute. I want to be like that eagle. I, I, I want to soar like that. I want to fly like that. None of these chickens go ever fly that high. They don't fly like that. They don't soar like that. And something inside says, I want that. So you know what that eagle, little eagle did? He got up on a little crate. Got up early, early in the morning before all the other chickens got up. Because he knew they would just laugh at him. And he got a little crate and he jumped off and started flapping his wings. Bam! Right in the dirt. Then he got up again, got back on the crate again and looked around, jumped again and started flapping. And he started to fly a little and went right into the fence. Bam! And as soon as it hit the fence, all the little chickens came out. Ah! Ah! What are you doing? Ah! They're laughing at him. Oh, we know what you're doing. We know what you're doing. You're trying to be like that eagle over there. But you ain't no eagle. You're nothing but a chicken. And you'll always be a chicken. And you'll always be stuck here in this chicken coop with all of us because that's all you are. You'll never fly. Man, that move, that got that little eagle mad. He was a victory outreach eagle. He said, oh yeah, and he got on that crate and with that holy indignation, he started flapping those wings. He started flapping with all his might, all his strength. He jumped off of that crate and pretty soon he started going to the fence and then he moved, missed the fence. He started going up and he started going up and he started going up higher, 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 higher until he was way up in the high because that's what that eagle was born for, my friend. We were born to fly, to soar, 
to do great things for God so we can blow the minds of the world and so they can look at us sore and say look what God was able to do there got to be a God and worship our God can you say amen let's stand together all over this place every head bowed and every eye closed the mission and the vision will cause you to soar it'll take you to new heights new dimensions places that you've never ever dreamed or imagined you can go my friend are you hearing me today it'll take you to places that you can never imagine or dream that's what he did for me from the jailhouse to the neighborhood to places I've never dreamed in my wildest dreams but I had to make a choice if I want to be a champion I got to start hanging around champions if I want to be a loser then I got to keep hanging around losers if I want to be a winner I got to hang around winners I want to be an eagle and you got to start hanging around eagles some of you got to get out of that chicken coop because that's not what you were created for that's not what you were born for and I'm going to open up these altars here today and I'm going to ask you will you come and join us in this mission in God's mission what God created you for what God called you for what your divine purposes are for amen whatever you're doing you might be doing a lot of good things but are you doing the right thing are you doing the right thing that God has called you? God has separated you. God has anointed you to do, my friend. I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you to come in this place. Come into this altar. And we're going to pray a prayer. If you're not saved, you're not born again, you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've been invited by a friend or whoever, you're not saved, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're not saved. You're not born again. You've been invited to church today or you came on your own, but you have not yet experienced the love of God, the forgiveness of Christ in your heart. I want to pray for you. Maybe you, you, you heard this message. You're saying, man, it's like you're talking to me. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of being in this condition. I need a change in my life. I've been looking for answers. I'm here to let you know you don't have to look any longer. Jesus Christ is the one that can change your life. Give you a place in heaven. Secure your place in heaven by simple faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, if there's one person, man, woman, teenager, or child, they'll say, Pastor, please pray for me. Pray for me. I need God in my life. I need God in my family. Quickly, raise your hand all over this place. I want to pray for you. Quickly, God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you, son. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. I see your hand over there. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else here today? Let's say this prayer. Those of you that raise your hand right there where you're at, say this prayer. Close your eyes and say this prayer and mean it from your heart. It's not a prayer to join the church. It's a prayer to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Your life will change. Then you go to church. Are you ready? Say, Jesus. Come on, say it. Jesus, I need you in my life. 
I'm sick and tired of living this life by myself. I need your help. Please forgive me, God, of all my sin and all my wrong. Come into my life. I accept you now as my personal Lord and Savior. For I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe, according to the scriptures, that God the Father raised you from the dead. So today, with my heart, I believe, and with my mouth, I confess that you are Lord. And I accept you now as my Lord and as my Savior. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. Now those of you that are here in the altars, we're going to pray. Come on, we're going to worship God. Raise your hands all over this place. You've made a commitment. You've made a walk of faith. We're going to sing this song just a moment. And I want you to connect with Jesus. I want God, the Holy Spirit, to remind you who you are. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter where you've been or what you've ever done, whatever bondage, whatever habit, whatever vice, whatever vase, uh, 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 barriers that have been holding you back, limitations that have been holding you back, today is a new day. It's done. It's over. It's time to step out of the box to live and to be what God intended you to be, an eagle, to soar, to live life and life to its fullness. Are you ready here this morning? Raise your hand. Begin to talk to Jesus as we begin to worship the Lord, as we sing this song of praise. And I'm going to pray for you just a moment. In just a moment. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. By the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Break through this morning, Lord. Break through, God. Tear down the strongholds of the night. Tear down the strongholds of the night. Give them eyes to see, Father. Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus oh. 